Welcome to Phoenix Foundation, an episode-by-episode podcast review of CBS's action-adventure series, MacGyver. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. And I'm Richard Wells. And today we'll be tackling Season 5, Episode 20, Rush to Judgment. episode was April 16th, 1990. It was directed by Charles Carell, and it was written by Robert Sherman. Why don't we discuss this episode in brief? Uh, in this episode, MacGyver violates sequester and jury uh, laws yep. in, in order to help solve a murder. Yeah. So I guess it all is just a matter of perspective. Yeah. Uh, no, but seriously, um, a man is being on is on trial for murder. Uh, MacGyver happens to be uh, in the jury, and they... Breaks every rule that they yeah, have. Yeah, he... he uh, he goes above the law. He would be in jail at the end of this episode. Yeah, he t- he takes he literally takes the law into his own hands. Right, as uh, he does in almost every episode. Uh, in order to try to figure out what really happened the night of this murder. Right. Um, and we start with like the press corps following mm-hmm. this trial already. Yeah, it's day fourteen of the murder trial. Um, it's actually like this episode is really more relevant now than it. Uh, even more now than it was probably then, but uh, this is all about racial tensions, right? Um, and um, and you know the uh, the man accused of murder, Curtis Danby, is black, and they're basically it's like, would this man be as hated and like the 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 demand being so high because it's a black man killing a white woman, right? And it's so it's a very racially charged trial. And racially charged episode, really, overall. Yeah. Um, in the mean, uh, amidst this, uh, a local religious leader is trying to basically spearhead like this. The not not even so much for the for the for the defense of the man who's on trial, Curtis Danby. Yeah. But more to just get publicity for himself and to like keep the racial community charged. Yeah. Uh, because it makes it just makes him all the more look more important. Uh. But uh, we also get like this reporter, Jake Barron, who's we very weird. Yeah, we get we're we're, we're trying we're really quickly made to hate a lot of people in this episode. Yeah, because Jake Barron is like you think oh he's a reporter he's asking like the harsh questions, uh, but no he's really just asking questions to be a total jerk. Yeah, and I honestly th- they made such a big point of it. I thought it was going to turn out he was the murderer. Yeah. Like, honestly, like, the way he's so pushy with everybody. This is like a Nightcrawler type of situation yeah, yeah, yeah. where he seem, he's intentionally trying to create controversial, yeah. controversial news by saying, like, it's like, oh, do you think he's guilty because he's black? It's like, yeah. like no, what? No, I, it, we have evidence. It's like, there's just a, because he's black, though. though. Like, n- n- it, 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 like he, he's just trying to push things. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he'll continue to do that throughout the episode whenever he's on. Yeah. Uh, so inside the courtroom now, we have uh, Wyatt Robbins, who is the husband of the uh, murdered woman in question. And uh, his defense counsel is basically playing up that he who he used to be, that he is a former Olympic swimmer, and now he's like a local sportscaster. Right. And this guy, uh, the actor's name is Rob Roy. And we had him as Acres in early retirement, and then he came back as the detective in the challenge that mm-hmm. let us know what happened to Booker. Yeah, he he was also like a you know a famous historical figure. <laughs> right, that's true. <laughs> played by, played Liam, by Mason. Liam Mason in a film. Uh, uh, 
uh, Monroe is like questioning uh, about the state of the intersection in which this murder took place. Where what happened was a car pulled up, uh, a man came up to the passenger side of the car. It was dark because one of the streetlights wasn't working. Uh, it was made to look like a robbery, and he ends up like shooting this woman, and, right. and the guy ran away. Yeah. Uh, so, but but apparently Robbins, despite the, the the lack of light and the fact that this guy wore a mask. Was, was able, able to, to determine exactly who this guy is and pick him up out of a lineup like exactly. weeks later or something like that. Um, yeah, like the, they they were able to put this guy in a lineup because uh, he lived in the area and he had a he does have a criminal history, but he right. served his time. Yeah. Um, so it's like okay, well, and if, the the implication here is that he was pressured by police to say, "Look, it's probably this guy." Right. So we're going to show you a bunch of guys, but it's probably that one right there, number yeah. four. Yeah. Because uh, this whole episode is about like people using the media to to get a verdict from public opinion, right? Uh, so uh, the uh, district attorney, who is obviously uh, uh, working against the man here, uh, she is like, of course, like keeps like bringing up objections to uh, to everything like this. The 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 prosecuting attorney or the, she's the prosecuting attorney. Sorry. I get prosecuting in defense. Like, I was like, wait, who's being defended? Curtis Danby is being <laughs> defended. He, he is the accused of murder. So he is the defense. Yeah. Uh, um, so, uh, she has Robbins point out to the courtroom to Danby, uh, like saying like, is the murderer in this room? The classic courtroom thing. Right. Can you point him out to me, please? Let the record show that he pointed out the defendant, uh, and uh, of course, like Danby gets super upset, and and he starts yelling and lying, and they 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 adjourn because the uh, of the commotion that this has caused. Yeah, he doesn't even try and do like the trick where they switch the defendant out of the room for a different black guy to sit down at the table. Yeah, and yeah. Like, is the defendant in, is is the murderer in this room? And then he just points to like the random guy that they picked to sit at the defendant's table. <laughs> What was the? What was it? I think it was anger management. It was like the I don't, movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where it was like Kevin Nealon's all, Your Honor. I don't think this man is really blind. <laughs> he takes a tennis ball, and throws it. The guy hits him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> There's only one way to find out. Yeah, it tennis was tennis balls. <laughs> Maybe if I used a harder ball, Your Honor. Yeah. Uh, that would have been a great next line. <laughs> Just like pelts him with a hard ball. Well, yeah, because no one's really afraid of getting hit with a tennis ball. Yeah. Uh, it's not worth giving yourself up in a court of law mm-hmm. and being held in contempt. Uh, so uh, in the meantime, MacGyver is on the jury and he's like making like really elaborate notes because a lot of the evidence uh, isn't being presented well yeah. uh, for the defense. And... MacGyver's kind of like wondering why, first of all. Uh, and on the way back to uh, – we, we, we get kind of a big speech about them being sequestered, which is odd because this is day 14 of the trial. So right. I don't think the judge ends every day saying, by the way, you're all under yeah. sequestered. You can't talk Just to Just as any- a reminder from yesterday, don't talk to anybody. For the last two weeks. But I keep remembering the movie Jury Duty because it deals a lot with this, the Polly Shore, mm-hmm. Tia Carrera vehicle. Yeah. The classic. Yeah. It's them and Stanley Tucci, I think. 
It's, it's the one of the other jurors. He's he might be the foreman, but yeah, it's um. I just remember that Stanley Tucci's name is Frank in the movie <laughs> because it has to do with when they, as they're figuring things out, his name mm. comes up in a quote. But uh, but yeah, he they're all like staying in this crappy hotel. They're not allowed to talk to anyone or go anywhere. Right. But because it's a high profile case, Polly Shore like is able to negotiate himself into like a really nice room at a nice hotel and he doesn't tell any of the other jurors that yeah. he's staying there. So he's like watching TV and stuff even though he's not supposed to be. And mm -hmm. But yeah. But in this version of MacGyver, uh, they're heading back to their hotel and uh, we get a returning character, uh, well, a returning actor uh, of uh, Jonathan Pallone who played Charles Keach in Fire and Ice. Right. Who was like the who was posing as a private detective, but then ended up being like part of the whole plan the whole time. Yeah. Uh, uh, he and uh, another juror, uh, Connie, are basically like taking sides on the case of like he's like, oh, he's guilty, he's guilty, he's guilty. Clearly, he's guilty. Yeah. And she's like, well, you know, that's why we gotta look at the evidence. And 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 MacGyver's like, we're also well, not supposed, we're not to, supposed to, to talk about the case. Yeah, we're not supposed. But to talk anyway, about since we are, since we're talking about it. <laughs> Because we've already violated the law. Yeah, the fact that MacGyver has the balls to tell these people that they're jurying wrong yeah. is frustrating in the context of the rest of the episode where MacGyver is just blatantly disobeying the law. Yeah. Uh, Connie wants to know why there's not more evidence being shown. Right. And MacGyver tends to agree. So uh, that night he decides to... Uh, find more evidence. Find more evidence. So he comes out of his room and, uh, you know, he asks the guard, hey, would, would, would you mind if I read the paper? He's like, oh, sorry, guy, I can't. So MacGyver heads down to a vending machine and intentionally... Vandalizes put, it. Yeah, he intentionally doesn't put enough money in it um, and uh, breaks into it. Meanwhile, the security guard slash police officer is, like, watching him break into a soda yeah, machine. just totally vandalizes this hotel's vending machine. And he's just like, oh, interesting. You got it open. Yeah. Um, but... And I, at first, I was like, oh, MacGyver, this is like the least MacGyver thing he did. But once he gets it open, he puts a whole dollar into the machine. Yeah. Like, because he grabs another soda and says, hey, you want one? I'm buying. And the guy goes, sure. Yeah, so here's what I thought was going to happen. I thought MacGyver was going to shake the soda up. And, and then, just spray it in the guy's face? No, no, no. That, but, but give it to him. So then when it sprays, it's, oh, oh, man, I got to go clean myself up. And then he would leave. The, that's what he did in, what was it, The Escape? When he's like trying to get thrown in prison so that he could yeah, yeah, yeah. break the guy out. He just sprayed soda in a cop's face. <laughs> um, as, as he's complimenting their, their peddler yeah. assault. He's like, that's what I like to see. You know, harassing the, uh, the citizenry or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's where I thought this was going to go. But instead, MacGyver pulls some kind of random soda purging lever that's in the machine. Yeah. That's on a timer as well. I was like, I don't, what does this lever do? Um, and when he closes the machine back up, uh, sodas just start spitting out of the machine, just like one after the other. Yeah. I guess that's what this lever does. Uh, and, uh, so as the officer kind of like goes over to say, Oh, why is all, why are all these sodas coming out of the machine that this guy just broke? Probably because he just broke it. Yeah. Uh, uh, he manages to sneak out. It seems like he could have just... He wouldn't sneak out for very long because this guard would have went and got the hotel staff yeah. and said, hey, knock on that door. That guy came out here and busted the machine. Yeah, so can you add it to his bill? Yeah. Even though these are paid by the government? 
Um, so he, he heads out to the intersection and starts trying to compare his notes. Yeah, the intersection where the crime happened. Correct. And not just, not just a random intersection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's at the crime scene. So he's comparing his notes to the intersection, which has the broken street light, which apparently still hasn't been fixed. Right. Um, and then a woman throws a f- pot of flowers at him. <laughs> yeah. She goes, oh, it fell. It's like, it fell awful long way away from the window. Yeah. Like, not just vertically down, but also out. out. Yeah. Um, and so he, uh, she asks him to, uh, to bring the plant, bring up. the plant back up because, because she's actually in a wheelchair. So, right. and, and so she said that she spends all her time looking out the window and, uh, everyone just calls her the bird lady, even though she has an actual name, even her IMDb credit is just bird lady. Right. But, uh, her character, her character name is Belinda Jones. Yeah. I'll, I'll mention later how, how weird it is that no one will say her name in the episode. Yeah. Uh, so he comes up to her place and sees that she's in a wheelchair and, uh, he starts asking her about the night of the murder, but, uh, she says she never saw it, but her bird Arlo saw it. Right. And so MacGyver starts questioning the bird. Right. (laughs) Um, and, uh, she describes the man who she, who she does describe as African American, but this man says the street light was the light was shining off of his head. He has bald head. And as we've seen of Curtis Danby, he is not bald. Right. Um, and uh, that he also dumped a bunch of stuff down a storm drain right at the scene. Uh, which I'm cool, totally cool with dumping stuff down a storm drain, but not at the at scene. right where you killed the person. Uh, so Mac goes out to check the storm drain and, of course, does, in fact, spot the gun. Right. Uh, so we cut to Pete at Mac's houseboat, apparently. I'm assuming he's just there, like, watering plants and stuff and just decided to help himself. Yeah. They only had so many locations. Um, so Pete's watching the, the trial on the news, um, and they interview Sandra Masters. Sandra Masters, we, we've seen her in the jury, uh, not in the jury, but in the, in the, uh, what do they call it, the gallery? Right. Uh, and but it was kind of weird because like every time they cut to her, it was it was such a close up shot, and I was like, is she a jury member? Yeah, I don't know if she's just in the in the audience or what. But uh, apparently she was just in the audience, uh, and she was uh, the best friend of uh, the woman who was killed. Right. And she also runs a her family owns a string of uh, department stores called Masters. Right. Which is I don't know if they're trying to be like racial with that because like oh my god because she has like i mean i don't want to spoil that that she i hadn't even considered that but that yeah that is a possibility that 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 she has purpose that she has these people working for her yeah i don't know it seemed like i was kind of like ooh, what yeah uh uh but uh mac enters uh just as pete turns off the tv luckily at least MacGyver didn't break that law right um and uh MacGyver explains to him everything that he's seen, every, the woman he talked to, and the location of the gun, and that he needs Pete to do it because MacGyver can't come clean and say that he broke the jury sequester. And then at this point, Pete, as a responsible adult, should have said, you can't tell me anything about the case. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to call anyone. Go back to the courtroom. No, I would, I, I would even go a step further than that. I would say... You've already violated. Yeah, I'm going to report you to the court. Yeah, and you're going to be you're going to step down from the jury, and you're not allowed to tell them anything about this mm-hmm. gun. 
Uh, and, and MacGyver's upset too about what he's done. Yeah. But I mean, not upset enough. Yeah. He he even takes Pete out to the intersection to show him uh, to do a demonstration of like if someone were to approach. Honestly, you, what MacGyver should have done, maybe this would have been the responsible thing to do, would be to ask for a sidebar with the judge and resign from the jury and say, "I broke these rules. I went to the scene." I can't. I can't. I'm not. I can't be a member of this jury mm-hmm. fairly, and then leave, and then contact the attorney. Yeah, for the that, that probably would have been the only thing. Well, I mean, he would have been held in contempt or arrested for, for going to the scene of the crime yeah. in the first place. Yes, but Pete would have probably given him bail. Yeah. Uh, before a, a hearing. Yeah. Because we we find out that that's what's going to happen. Anyway, we're getting ahead of ourselves and yeah. speculating. <laughs> Objection, Your Honor. Speculation. Right. Because uh, uh, I did a courtroom thing there. Oh, is that what? Okay. <laughs> I get it now. So uh, at the intersection, uh, MacGyver is showing like, that with the streetlight out, if someone were, were to approach you from this side of the car... You, you wouldn't see their face. You, not only would you not see their face, but you couldn't even tell their skin color. Right. Like, it's, it's just... It is... They're completely silhouetted by the light that's behind them. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so Pete's like, real, yeah. He even Pete realizes that there's no way that he could have identified Danby from from these conditions. Right. But Arlo maybe could have. Yeah, Arlo. Arlo saw it all. Arlo's different. He's got bird that bird eye vision. Special bird sight. <laughs> uh, so the next day at the trial. Bird eye vision. <laughs> I don't know. I was gonna say like eagle eyes, but like you know, but he's a like a parakeet or something. Uh, at the trial, uh, Mr. Monroe wishes to present additional evidence and, and a witness. And so he wants, like, he, he's reasonably requesting a delay because, you know, you have, to, you have to give the prosecution access to this evidence so they can review it as well. To, right. Because he, this whole thing about, like, surprise witnesses, I, I don't know how often that actually happens. Yeah. Because it's certainly unfair to the opposing side that doesn't have time to question this person or get their statement or reviewed or come up with their own questions or theories or discuss. It doesn't give anyone any time. It really doesn't seem like it's part of a legal, legally fair thing to do. Uh, And uh, so it seems right that he's asking for the trial to be delayed, but uh, Ms. Bigelow doesn't want to do that. So they ask that, uh, that the, that they accept to hear out, the bird lady's testimony. Um, but it's not the bird lady's testimony. It's, it's Arlo's testimony. It's the bird's testimony. Uh, no judge in the world would sit down and listen to this bird talk to the courtroom. Yeah. But maybe, just maybe, this bird knows what he's talking about. Maybe. Uh, so she tells them the story, and uh, uh, Mr. Monroe presents the police report with the uh, gloves, gun, and wool cap that were worn by the attacker. Apparently none of which have any kind of DNA. Right. Uh, Monroe then asks about the description of the man and, uh, the woman, you know, you know, gives her description and points to Danby and says, that is not him. Right. Uh, at least according to my bird, I don't, I didn't see the guy. Yeah. But my bird tells me that's not him. Unreliable witness <laughs> thrown out of court. <laughs> Uh, Mrs. Bigelow wants uh, an explanation of how this evidence was obtained, uh, and Mr. Monroe is forced to call out Pete. Right. 
And so that Pete Judge, you know, is forced to stand, and the judge starts questioning him about. But is he on the stand, or is he just? He's, he's just, just, in, just, standing, he's just in standing in the gallery. So, so he's not. He can't be held in contempt from there. I don't think. I thought he had to be on the stand. Um, if he's if if I think though, if a lawyer is presenting him as yeah. part of the evidence chain, and that that makes him a part of what's going on here. Why could he not then plead the fifth when asked where he found this evidence? Uh, that is a good question. Um, because you can't say I'm going to hold you in contempt if you don't answer the question. It's like, no, I have the right to plead the fifth. Yeah, I, I have so, the right not to incriminate myself. Although, and he would have been incriminating himself because uh, he would have been involved in in jury tampering. Exactly. Um, but uh, when Pete won't re- give up MacGyver. Right. Um, the judge then yeah, says that, well, I'm going to take right, you into custody. I'm going to hold you in contempt, so go arrest this person. Yeah. And then MacGyver stands up and goes, no, no. And it's like, well, it's too late now. The judge already ordered it. Yeah. So Pete's going to jail. You're going to jail. Everyone's going to jail. In fact, you get a cell. You get a cell. <laughs> uh, he admits to the judge that, uh, that what he did. And so the judge says that, well, one, that immediately this is mistrial. Right. Everything, everything about this. Everybody go home. <laughs> this, this is a mistrial. I won't even be the judge in this case. Yeah. In fact, I probably won't be a judge tomorrow. Yeah. Because this whole situation has just gotten out of hand. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, MacGyver's arrested and, and needs to go to wait, be held to appear at a, a judiciary hearing, I guess. Yeah. Of what's to be done about you. Yeah. Um, and uh, so the next day, uh, the news is discussing everything that happened, but. The new evidence, uh, new witnesses. Super juror. Uh, the police trace the gun to uh, to be a per- purchased and or stolen from the master's department store. Right. Um, and apparently they also are able to find out that Sandra Masters has been sneaking around as a, under an alternate name. Right. And meeting with the husband of the killed woman. Right. Uh, under her assumed name. Uh, like, this just came out all of a sudden. Like, yeah. It was like... Just coincidentally. Yeah, I don't this know... This isn't even MacGyver tampering with evidence. Yeah, I don't know how how we made this leap to her being having being sneaking around under a different name. Yeah. Uh, so a bailiff comes in and tells MacGyver that his bail was paid um, and that the deputy DA wants to see him. Yeah. I'm like, did she pay my bail? Uh, <laughs> uh, meanwhile, at the master's department store... Wyatt Robbins is meeting with Sandra Masters in a back room, and basically we're learning that they were having an affair, and that now that the woman, the, the his wife is dead, that that they don't have anything to worry about anymore. Right. And, and Wyatt's kind of like, "Are you crazy? That's a horrible thing to say. A woman was my woman, and f- potentially my friend and lover was killed. Yeah. And you're just talking about us. Yeah. Uh, so clearly, like Wyatt is just like, "No, dude, you're that's a horrible thing to do. Yeah." Uh, so Sandra gives this kind of look to another African American gentleman, uh, bald one, uh, Uh-oh. and uh, they meet in a back room while he's feeding a bunch of fierce Rottweilers. Yeah, uh, I'm surprised he didn't just uh, throw like the leg of a deer or something in there yeah. for them, or a person. Uh, and uh, basically now we're learning that masters. Sandra Masters had ordered this guy to kill the woman, and now he's or- she's ordering him to go and kill uh, the bird lady. 
Right. Because she's, she's... Even though the testimony has already been given and there's nothing more she can do. Yeah. Exactly. Like, everything... It's done. There's no reason to do this and potentially incriminate yourself. Also, it was a bird's testimony that would have been thrown out. <laughs> it wouldn't have even been invited into the court. No birds in the court. So back at the courthouse, uh, as MacGyver has been released and on his way to see the DA, the judge happens upon him and uh, gives this him. Is, a, this scene rings the falsest of the entire episode. Yeah, it's like it's like Mr. MacGyver, what you did was wrong, but off the record, you're a pretty awesome dude. Good work. Good work. Good work ruining the judicial system that I've <laughs> that I've sworn to uphold. Because he's an older man, so clearly he's been a judge for like. I, I think he even says how many years he's been on the bench when they bring yeah. in the bird. Um, it's like, of all my years on the bench, I've never this seen This is only the fourth time I've taken testimony from a parakeet. <laughs> and two falcons. You're very lucky you got me in the judge pool. <laughs> <laughs> they call me the bird whisperer. You could have gotten Judge Barker. He only talks to cats. What? <laughs> I know. It's a misnomer. But yeah, he's like... You know what? What you did in there was totally irresponsible, but good for you. What matters is is the the end result. It doesn't matter how the yeah. law is is the, processed. Oh wait, no, that's what matters. The ends justify the means. Yeah, no, that's not how it works, MacGyver. You can't just find evidence on your own if you're in the jury. Yeah, um, and then to break more continuing rules and ethics. MacGyver then eavesdrops on a conversation of the DA uh, where she's on the phone with the mayor. Right. And putting out a warrant out for Wyatt Robin's arrest. Right. So MacGyver's just like listening in on all these conversations yeah. here. Uh, she's uh, telling MacGyver that uh, there's a restraining order for him to stay away from the case. Right. Which is odd because he's violating he's there <laughs> in the room with her. Then this is entrapment because yeah. <laughs> you invited me here. Uh, uh, they have a discussion about the rules of the of the legal system, and the discovery of the truth, and allowing the media to sway decisions. Like she's only going after Wyatt now, not because that there's evidence against him, but because that's what people think happened. Yeah. And and uh, just then the phone rings, and they've get got the word that Belinda Jones, the bird lady, is dead. Right. Presumably thrown out of her window. With the, with the flowers. Yeah. Uh, so the coroner is loading the bird lady, and, then, and of course... Uh, but the craziest part of that scene is when she turns to MacGyver and says, the bird lady is dead. She doesn't <laughs> say Belinda, whatever. Yeah. She just says, the bird lady is dead. Like, you would think that in a professional atmosphere, she would have said the woman's name, mm-hmm. and maybe MacGyver would have been like, I'm sorry? And she'd be like... The, the woman whose bird gave testimony in court. Arlo's dead? Wait. No, Arlo's fine. Weirdly enough, they killed the person who didn't even testify. It would have made sense if it was like a Dumb and Dumber situation and she came home and her bird's head fell off. No, Arlo. Its heads are falling off. Um, so the reporter is uh, there like discussing the death and... Uh, she immediately, he immediately like descends upon Bigelow as she exits the crime scene. Yeah. And she says that, like, she doesn't have any comments at this moment. But then she, they just walk away from her, even though MacGyver is right there. 
Yeah. Like, the reporter is aware of who MacGyver is yeah. because he just destroyed a, a trial. Yeah, and he's not finished ruining this case. Yeah. Um, and so they just walk over and uh, and Pete is asking her. There's still a restraining order, I thought. Yeah. Um, but Pete, you know, Pete and MacGyver are asking her what she saw. Um, that, but that she still thinks that Wyatt Robbins is the guilty party, even though she does not believe that he just came in here and killed this old lady. Right. This is like a very odd thing. Uh, Mac and Pete are able to piece together by looking at the records of people who work at the master department store who could have had access to the gun and people who cont- who also live in that area, more specifically in the building that Danby and the bird lady live in. Right. And they come up with one name and that's Lawrence Gordon. Right. Or Groden, sorry. Like Charles Groden. Right. Like Charles Gordon. <laughs> Levitt. Only spelled wrong. <laughs> Charles Gordon Levitt. Yep. Uh, uh, and so, but they still need to prove it. And so, Mac is somehow able to find Wyatt Robbins when there's a warrant out for his arrest. Yeah. So he's able to find him before the police, and he tells them about uh, the bird lady being killed, and then also that that also and he's the, like, wait a minute, aren't you the juror that got yeah. banned from pursuing this case in any way? But don't worry, MacGyver warns him. Also, there's a warrant out for your arrest for murder. Right. Uh, and uh, when he asked him about the uh, police lineup and how he singled out Danby, he uh, he says, well, you know, everyone seems so sure that he did it. And so I just went along with it. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, MacGyver is blaming the media uh, and it Even having an effect on It's not the media's him. fault. It's the police's fault. Yeah, that was more the police. He also suspects that the one who must be pulling the strings on this is the only one who has anything to gain – which is you uh, and Sandra Masters, who right. is obsessively in love with you. Uh, so Wyatt realizes that Sandra might just be jealous enough to commit multiple murders at the hand of another man. Yeah. Uh, so MacGyver now is aiding and abetting a fugitive from the law. <laughs> There's no way he doesn't end this episode in, in jail. Uh so with his fugitive friend, MacGyver heads to the uh, scene of the alternate crime, which is the theft of the gun right. at Master's Department Store. And they're just kind of looking for anyone who might match the description of a bald African-American man. Yeah. Uh, they're engaging in what's known as profiling. <laughs> MacGyver, nothing is sacred to MacGyver in this episode. Uh, so they spot a man who might fit the description but who also then suspiciously runs away. Right. Um, so they go, well, that must be him. Yep. Uh, We're looking for a bald black guy that runs away from us. Uh, but luckily also, Sandra Masters is the kind of store owner uh, who is always at the right store at the right time. Right. She's actually just walking the grounds at all times. Uh, and so she sees them uh, chasing after Lawrence. Uh, so they... All head back down. Now they're in like the the lower the lower rooms of the, the of, of the of the store, and it's not even like the back rooms where they store goods. It's just like like a garbage dump of like old mannequins and steam pipes and right. and of course a pack of ferocious Rottweilers. Yeah. Uh. Uh. They fall them down and 
Gordon, uh, I keep wanting to say Gordon, Lawrence, <laughs> Lawrence Groden is, uh, Commissioner Groden, <laughs> Commissioner Groden, he, he's waiting with just a big pipe, uh, and, uh, he comes he's out, smoking, <laughs> yep, nope, it's like, I was wondering when you'd get here, <laughs> <laughs> and then he hits him over the head with it, that is a huge pipe, uh, yeah, so he comes out swinging, um, they're able to dodge the attacks, uh, but uh, Sandra comes in with a gun, and uh, she tells them to uh, sh- to get down on the ground, and she calls the police, and they go to jail. Yeah, no. No, that's not what happens. That's what she should have done. Everything would have worked out in her favor if she did that. Yeah. She said, Lawrence, leave. Lawrence? I'm, I'm performing a citizen's arrest on these two criminals. Yeah. So uh, while she has a gun on them, Lawrence starts talking to Sandra, which distracts her enough for MacGyver to push a big cart into her yeah. and knock her to the ground. She drops the gun and everything seems... It's like one of those moments where like, oh, she dropped the gun. Of course, uh, that's perfect. But it lands right next to Lawrence. <laughs> and then MacGyver's like, whoops. Yeah. Um, so uh, they, he and Wyatt start running and uh, Lawrence, instead of chasing after him, decides to uh, release the hounds. And uh, they start chasing after MacGyver and Wyatt. Uh, they uh, they come across like a an abandoned perfume display, and so MacGyver just like just starts smashing all the perfume bottles on the ground to help like mask their mask scent. their scent, which which stalls the dogs for a moment. Um, and then they uh, luckily MacGyver then spots like a a couple of mannequins, and just puts like their jackets on them. I guess that was that's a and and also sprinkle some of the perfume. Yeah. I guess once again not trying to confuse the dogs but trying to entice them this time. Yeah. Uh and uh they follow the dogs and uh that is to say Sandra and Lawrence follow the dogs as they tackle the mannequins and they just start ripping the clothes apart off yeah. the mannequins. It's like, "Oh my god." Um and this is once again where MacGyver uh does his classic Hide in the rafters trick. Yeah. Um, jump out at just the right moment. Yep. So Wyatt is able to sneak up on Sandra and like muffle her scream with his hand in a like very violent way. Yeah. If the police uh, walked in right now, Wyatt's going to prison forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, uh, he knocks out, uh, MacGyver swings down and knocks out Lawrence, but then the dogs hear what's going on and MacGyver is forced to run away from the dogs again. Uh, and, uh, and this time he, uh, just like gets him like locked behind a gate and you'd think that that's where MacGyver would go to jail. Yep. Cause, uh, it should be, but nope. Luckily Danby and, and Robbins are both exonerated, yeah. uh, of their, of their mutual, uh, non-crimes. MacGyver is also exonerated apparently. And, uh, the reporter, uh, Jake Barron, once again starts like coming in and uh, like really trying to push MacGyver's buttons about uh, about the case. And so MacGyver gives this big speech about. Uh, and he's trying to embarrass Barron yeah. at the same time as he's lecturing everyone else on how to be. But MacGyver would just go to jail and this mm-hmm. whole case would be a mistrial and they would start over again. Is that how mistrials work? Do you start over? Or I thought that. No, if it's a mistrial, usually they start 
they get a new jury. Oh, okay. They would start from scratch. But in in this case, the defense would probably still have access to the new evidence as long as they were able to find a legal way to... To process it? Yeah, or, to or process to it, yeah. Follow, again, the evidence chain. Yeah. That uh, it needs to be l- legitimately acquired. Because if it's acquired. found illegally, like, as far as anyone in that courtroom knows, MacGyver planted it there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He could have found the gun somewhere else and tossed it in the That's that the reason room. these laws are in place is because if if you know the intersection where a crime happened, you're the only one who can taint the scene because that's information that you were privy to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, that's where this episode ends. It's kind of like this message about the media, which is still an important message. Uh, the media and the news swaying you one way or the other. Sure, yeah vilifying somebody before the or trying to make you think that a certain jury member is a good person when in fact they're totally ruining the american judicial system so how do you feel about this episode i don't like this episode <laughs> i think that MacGyver's the bad guy in this episode and it's really weird uh i mean i i i guess i look at it in a more romantic sense uh of like he did you know he took the law into his own hands but I totally agree that he should be held accountable for for some of the things that he like, did. Like if you want to if you want to go out on that limb and have him do all this stuff that's very blatantly illegal, you can't in the episode with him not doing some time. Yeah. Like if you want to take all those chances then then do this episode and then have it be my guy was was sentenced to 3 months in prison and was out in a month with good behavior. Yeah. Like just end the episode that way at least. Because what he did is super illegal, mm-hmm. and anybody else would have gone to jail for a while for it, or or even give him time served. Yeah, like you know, we'll give, we'll give you you know, give you like one month time served, right. house arrest. You know, there there are things you can do that are legally punishing things that will go on your record. Yeah, but also not so harsh as like to send you to prison. Yeah, like, uh, you know, I don't know. Again, like, and they also could have like. Because MacGyver's usually really good about not breaking the law. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, he put a he dollar has, in a vending machine that he broke. He has a weakness with when it comes to evidence because he's constantly breaking into places and finding evidence illegally mm-hmm. that is supposed to prove his case, but that would have been thrown out of court because he found it illegally. Right. But uh, in this situation, I feel like it it would have been a stronger episode if it had been about MacGyver being on a jury. And maybe he still goes to the intersection and finds the stuff that he's not supposed to find, but he's not allowed to say anything. Mm-hmm. And the whole trial goes off, and this guy ends up going to jail without MacGyver being able to do something about it. Or maybe even like that the because the halfway house where uh, Danby and the Bird Lady lived was owned by the Master Department Store. Yeah. Maybe if it had been owned by the Phoenix Foundation and MacGyver was brought in because it was a Phoenix matter, right? And he starts investigating on his own. Or what if it was he was on the jury and he had figured out all this information and he spent the whole episode trying to covertly push the defense in that direction? Mm. I would have even been more comfortable with that than to recruit Pete and say, call the defense attorney and tell them. It's also needlessly involving Pete because you already broke the law. Just call the defense yeah. attorney yourself. Yeah, There's no reason for Pete to do it. Pete's going to have to roll over on you immediately anyway yeah. or go to jail. What did he expect to happen when yeah. they start questioning Pete about where he got the evidence? Yeah. Um, I, I think I think the biggest mistake of this episode is putting MacGyver on the jury. Also, Pete going to the courtroom and being there for when he says, yeah. oh, well, Pete Thornton told me. 
Pete Thornton from the Phoenix Foundation. Okay, well, who's that? Why did he know where it was? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think from a writing standpoint, he, MacGyver should have never been on a jury. Yeah. Uh, because you're forcing him to break all those rules, uh, even if he is upset that with himself that he did it. And He's not upset enough that he would have not done it in the first place. Yeah. But yeah. But this is a great episode. <laughs> no, I, I'm not a fan. Uh, I, I didn't mind it. Um, uh, I, I feel that it, it loses its way, for sure, for something that starts off about racial tensions and persecuting uh, a man because of their skin color more harshly than a person who... Because, uh, like, the reverend, like, says, once they accuse Wyatt Robbins, like, he's like, well, I hope that he gets the same level of scrutiny Yeah. because he's white. Yeah, I think it just bothers me that the the whole... Like, due process is just thrown out. Like, it's totally unimportant because MacGyver knows best. And it's like, I understand it's a TV show. But yeah. these rules are in place for a reason. And to just throw them all out is really irresponsible. And for anyone to side with MacGyver in this is, is kind of silly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, yeah. But if you guys have any thoughts you'd like to share with us, you can find us on Twitter at Opening Gambit. You can find us on Facebook.com slash Phoenix Foundation Podcast or our website, PhoenixFoundationPodcast.com. And if you're digging the show, feel free to review us on iTunes. Tune in next week. We're covering Season 5, Episode 21, Passages. Season finale. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. 21? Yeah, it is. Oh, my gosh. That's it. Season 5. Almost Almost wrapped up. Almost wrapped up. (laughs) All right. Uh, Thank you for listening. Thank you. Thank you.